Oh hell yeah, our boys in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, it's me, Kennedy. We also got Brandon here. Brandon, say hi. Hey everybody, let's let's rock it. Let's do it big time. And we are joined by Kieran and Nick of Corner Spati. It is a leftist European politics podcast. It's basically like, you know, when you go to Bizarro Universe and you see like a podcast that looks kind of like your podcast. That's that's how we feel when we hang out with these guys. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, just regular leftist shit. And these guys also like to kick it with journalists and politicos the way that we do. And we thought that we could bring them here for a dang good time comparing Kennedy. politics or talking about something. What, what, Brandon? What? We have to cut you off because you kind of let this slide by real quick. Uh, did you say like when you're drifting into parallel universes, like just as a casual thing? I mean, is that not normal? Is that not, uh, you know? All right. Clearly, you haven't at least had someone tell you about their experience of being at a club in Berlin. So <laughs> if it's really like that, I don't know. It probably isn't. But Matt, we tell people if you donate to the Patreon, patreon.com slash not safe, you become connected to the Astral Network and you can actually communicate with the show host telepathically, which I think is really good. Like if you have like a content request or comment, you don't have to like be at your computer. You can just think really hard and we'll hear it. You could do it in the middle of the night, wake us up, you yep. know, whatever. <laughs> uh, we have no control over, you know, once you're connected to the astral network. But, you know, we'll do it back is the problem. Because once you're in, you're just connected all the time. It's a kind of a thing. That's a really dark future. <laughs> yeah, Germany's a little bit, Germany's a little bit further behind. We have like the avatar thing where you have to like <laughs> plug in. You have to like plug in your USB cord to the person that you want to fuck. And uh, Oh, yeah. That's really primitive. Yeah, in America we've had wire we've had wireless for like I don't know. You, you just take years. a you just take a pill with the person that you want to fuck at the same time. You both take a pill and then you just you cool. just instantly have bliss together. I'm referencing Barbarella, by the way. I don't think anybody. Oh, I thought you were referencing the fucking um, like. I thought you were referencing the fucking like opioid <laughs> epidemic that is going on in the U.S. But, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, Kennedy. We talked about Star Trek with uh, an earlier guest. Yes, uh, Barbarella. I would say also in the Star Trek mold, a lot more boobs than uh, we should. We should ask Corey about Barbarella. That's neither here nor there. But there's some very <laughs> booby Star Trek. Hang on, though. That, like... that that's true. That is true, but it, it just wasn't their brand. It was just shown off. But it wasn't like we're going to conquer the universe with titties. Yeah, it, it's very like come for the philosophy kings in naval space. Stay for like for some strange reason the ship's counselor is in a cat suit. But all right, <laughs> absolutely. Stay for the the hot science officer with spots. Yeah, right. I was recently watching like like at the beginning of Corona Fun Time. Uh, I was watching the original Star Trek, and then my roommate came into the episode where they just like end up on a Nazi planet. And that was very hard to explain to a German like what I was watching. Oh, yeah. no, it, it's great because you like you get an apartment in Berlin, and it's just like it's got these big white walls, and you're like, I'm gonna get a projector, and then you're like. You're living here for half a year, right beside the balcony window. You're like, time to watch fucking Man in the High Castle. That won't be missing <laughs> the truth in some horrible way by all my neighbors. 
Yeah, I can only imagine that the response to something like that is just uh, a little different than how it's received here, to say the least. Yeah, either way, I don't want to experience it. Like, either like, oh, cool, like, let me watch. Or other, you know, the confrontational <laughs> one of, you know, why are you watching Nazi shit? Obviously, neither one I want to, like, I don't know. I feel like an American audience is like, oh, like, this is normal. Like, I don't know. Yeah, here in America, Nazi is just one of the list of generic bad guys that you can choose from. It's like mafia, yeah. Nazi, uh, you know, you just kind of go down this like list of generic choices. It's like it's not even it, it doesn't even feel political most of the time. And in fact, it's often made basically devoid of any political statement. Like it's just we're fighting Nazis. There's no critique here. We're just fighting them. Well, yeah, you saw what happens when they put like critique into it. Like, what was the uh, the the Wolfenstein remake sequel they made, where like one of the trailers was very. Oh, was it the slogan was "Make America Nazi Free Again"? And this was like the year after Trump was elected, and everyone like lost their shit at it, being like, "It's a Swedish yeah. company that's very opposed to Nazis." Oh, gee, are they? Gee, I wonder why. Some Swedes really love it. Don't don't get me wrong. That's um. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a whole thing. We can get into that a little bit. Like the actually, this is something I would love to talk about with you guys in particular, because I feel like I sometimes hear this sort of rhetoric from like certain Internet leftists of just like, oh, I'll just I'll just move to Europe if things get much worse here, if Trump gets reelected or whatever. And I'm like, do you realize that all the things that you're upset about Trump for doing have an origin over there? <laughs> like, oh, 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 hold up, hold up, you know. <laughs> Europe, Europe has, you know, like it's 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 cultured Nazism, it's cultured fascism, it's it's and that isn't actually. I I, I can't even fucking do this fun. Um, that was a good bit though. I, you were killing me with that. The thing of it though, like like the thing that then really all right. So it's like it's kind of like this like weird like feedback loop that at least I noticed like being an American living in Germany is that then like every German wants whenever you meet a German, every German wants to like let you know like wow the U.S. That's fucking crazy. And then, like, they'll, depending on who they are, obviously, like, some people are, like, cool, and they're like, yeah, like, it's bad, and it's also kind of bad here. So on, so on, so on, so on, so forth. And you have, like, you know, a good conversation about, you know, things like, you know, the systematic problems that then are intertwined within Germany and the United States, how how kind of, like, identical they are in a different sense. But I'd say, like, the overwhelming majority is that, like, Germans just, like, want to flex on you about how better their country is. But then they do so in a way that then just, like, ends up proving that Germany's just as insane as the United states is can you give an example of that because this is really this sounds amazing yeah it's like all the stuff within like okay like you know we have things like healthcare. all right cool all right germany has, mm. has a somewhat universal health care system but then cool. Healthcare is cool, but then like have German break down to you like why it's good and they actually can't because anyone who's like smart in Germany, and this is just my opinion on it, will like acknowledge that the German system is just Obamacare and it's still bad. Like there's all these like dumb loopholes for everything, this and that and that. It's just like the US done a little bit better in that sense where I'm over here being like my eyesight shit isn't covered by my health insurance. Like I'd have to get a separate insurance for that. You know, things like going to the dentist isn't covered by German health insurance. Like, I'm kind of surprised it isn't like the fucking big book of British teeth over here sometimes. But yeah, it's just like stuff like that. And then when you like pinpoint it out to Germans, it's like, no, your system's actually pretty identical to the US. It just like works because you didn't get like voted out by like, you know, Congress in whatever this weird system that the US has. 
the reason Germany was able to like establish like Obamacare and make it work is because they had the incentive to because the country had just been blown up. Like they, yeah. they did it like, <laughs> post World War Two, and they're just realizing, oh shit, everyone's homeless and sick and dying. Uh, we better like sort this out. Yeah. Oh, like, and that's another one too. Is like poverty in Germany is another one that then's like like wealth inequality in Germany is like not as insane as the U.S. But Germans don't like talking about it, and they'll always like point to like these like things of like oh ha ha like poor people are like the people on this TV show who live in like this one area of Germany. They're so funny when they're making like twelve thousand euros a year. It's like you're also poor. Like, do you not find yourself in that same category? And I think that that's uh, that's always like a weird kind of sort of thing of that like Germans have this like elitist complex that actually is like different not as bad as the u.s like i will legitimately say that like in terms of these two major factors the u.s is far worse but it's not like germany is like the like great leap forward towards like what i would want like socialism in the u.s to look like like germany's the bare fucking minimum half the time yeah i was gonna say that we have such an equivalent to that of course here in the u.s though uh, of that last thing you mentioned which in terms of like you have these people who like live in the city on like poverty income and like laugh about rednecks in places like where brandon lives you know uh brandon lives in georgia and he actually lives in a big city there but people will think of georgia who are like from massachusetts and they'll just think a bunch of rednecks rednecks hillbillies <laughs> hill people we have that here with uh, all of East Germany, basically. But uh, yeah. they unfortunately have the excuse of uh, uh, the communists did that to them. That's why they're all Nazis now, for some reason. Uh, <laughs> it's not because the entire country, like the entire eastern half of Germany was sold for parts in 1991, like to the highest bidder. And everyone there who could wear a right. suit well enough was just declared a millionaire. Yeah, <laughs> it was it, the fall of Eastern Europe is uh, particularly disgusting. And like how quickly everything was privatized. They're like... By some measures, they were the first places to do neoliberalism. It's just horrifying how quickly they went through that. There are a lot of Americans that are like envious of Germany and hold it up as like the ideal form of government, uh, mostly because, you know, you've got Merkel and she's a scientist and she's uh, uh, very reasonable. So can you guys talk about like neoliberalism? With regards to Merkel. Oh, I thought you wanted to ask her to just go off on Angela Merkel. I was like, yes, finally my chance. I... <laughs> that literally is what I'm asking you to do. Yep. Just what do we not know about that? The average lib who watches MSNBC, what do they not know about the Merkel administration? So I, I, I'll jump in first because I know Nick is just going to start foaming at the mouth. Uh, and he has the. I already am. Yeah, sorry, bro. Uh, I'm so but... anxious. <laughs> So I I will just like couch this would say that like yeah Merkel is the head of like the center right party in Germany and she's been in charge for uh, I don't know longer than my grandmother has been alive it's very hard to keep track of but the <laughs> um but the main thing is that she is kind of like the left wing of her right wing party because now we're getting into the era of her of like talking about her successor and everyone they put forward is just garbage just absolute monster either incompetent or they just want to like bring back racism towards the Italians it's very deeply cursed but uh, yeah Nick now can go off on a uh, Angela Merkel herself. Oh, sorry. I was just like lamenting on the fact that I may be a POC in Germany quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Nick is Italian Greek American. So this is a double whammy of uh, just people the Germans hate. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, like the thing with Mackle is that like I get like I, I kind of reflected on this actually during the Corona thing as well is that she is she genuinely is like the perfect person for liberals to like because like during coronavirus no one really got this because every like puff piece coming out of like the new york times or whoever for that matter was like isn't it fantastic how like women leaders are dealing with coronavirus so well but germany didn't do anything like i think like we have to like take that step back like germany's lockdown was just like here's a a suggestion maybe that you shouldn't leave your house and no one paid attention to it and then like malka would go on to tv and just do these like speeches of just like yep we're doing this and that's that and i just realized that now when i try to do Merkel in english it just sounds like obama perfect you know uh, uh, yep. uh, we did it <laughs> yeah. we got him yeah, like literally, like she goes on TV, says this doesn't actually like she does. The thing that's so perfect is that then Merkel, for some people, says everything by saying literally nothing. So she went on for like her Corona things and just kept saying just like, yeah, we got this. We have it in the bag. We're going to do this. Like during like the refugee situation, uh, she did the exact same thing. She just like her motto was just like, wir schaffen das, which like literally translates as like, we got this. And Germany sure as hell did not have it. Like, I know from like the, about the crying Palestinian child. Yeah. Oh my God. That's like one of the worst ones too. Is that then like a crying Palestinian girl was like, you're going to send me home. And Angela Merkel was just all like, didn't even like console her properly. Just like came up, like went over and gave a, like a hug to a girl who then just started crying more. <laughs> As Merkel explained why she had to go back to. Yeah. And it, it's, it, she's just like the perfect distillation of neoliberalism in that sense, more so probably than anyone, because she can keep her politics of them. Like Germany has this really weird spending policy called like the black zero. And her party, yeah, yeah, it's called like the Schwarzenegger in German. And Germany will not, like, her party will, like, literally, like, now is the question of if, like, after coronavirus, if they have to kind of, like, go against it. And there's a good portion of her party is saying that they'll just, like, either, like, drop Merkel or they'll, like, try to, like, they'll do, like, anything necessary to keep this horrible. So I guess I have to explain it for no one, someone doesn't understand, is that Germany has a policy of not collecting any, like, domestic debt. So all your so Germany has a balanced budget every single year, which is psychotic, like completely insane for the biggest economy in Europe. Like you should spend like it is a good thing if you spend. And what Germany's been doing for like the past decade now has been cutting primarily like labor costs and things that then get government funding and nothing is funded properly in Germany because of this. And her party like kind of got like the most flack for it when the former finance minister was getting heated by Yanis Varoufakis during like the Greek crisis. And this continuously got brought up that like Germany's economy being primarily export driven headed by the CDU won't spend, which then cripples the rest of the European economy because they then don't create exports in an export driven economy because they don't invest in it if that like makes sense so like there's there's just all this stuff that then like like mackle does this yeah, like i said does this really good like maneuver of saying the right things which yeah in, in the end of the day is nothing and having people from around the world applaud her but i think that then I don't know. Like, it's it's hard because she's also doing really well in the polls right now because of coronavirus. Also because she didn't, like, tell Germans to stay inside, which telling them to wear a mask was too much, apparently, for them because, like, protests broke out and shit like that. Not as insane as in the U.S., but it was just still dumb. We've had some very crazy ones here. Very, very nuts. <laughs> How is it that y'all still have political problems in your country, given that you have <laughs> you have an independent left-wing party? Which I was told, <laughs> which never told, wins a fucking election. I was just told that if you have a left wing party and it's left wing, everybody will just join it and then you'll win. Is that not the case? Um, I, mean, I, I don't know. 
Yeah. I hand out as many free trotskyist newspapers. Yeah, I've been trying to do my psyops for Dilinka. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Dilinka has a problem, just like that. They're like one part, just like a protest party. In some cases, they've just said that continuously that they just want to stay in opposition, even with the like you know rising threat of the new right, or I guess just the old right for Germany of uh, you know with with the AFD, the alternative for Germany, which of course we can talk about that if you want. But they also have just like this problem that 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 like they don't know what their um thing is their deal because in the city they do different politics than they do on the countryside and then in east germany they do different politics that then is like trying to be slightly more racist and it's not a good look and they've rightfully been called out for their very open racism and stuff like that so it's just a, a just a clusterfuck if um, i'm allowed to say a, that word on here yeah you sure are mentioned this but you're definitely all right to curse would you say that Yay. their racism is more like the Democratic Party, that, that they have a little dial and they look back at the audience to see how far they can turn the dial? Or is it just individual actors doing their thing? Some of that like has definitely happened because a lot of them, like Dilinka comes from a merging of like the West German left and then like the East German left, which was in power in East Germany. But now, even though they have those kind of like roots, there's this weird thing where they've kind of like drank the Kool-Aid in terms of like West German kind of poor bashing superiority stuff that we were talking about earlier where they think the only way they can appeal to people in east german states like brandenburg or saxony anhalt is like to get more racist so there is some of that definitely happening yeah and it's interesting too because like internally within the party there's a lot of like the youth wings and stuff like that who call them out on their shit which rightfully so and their congresses are wild because they'll like kind of like start like so there's a there's like the I think he's the minister president of the state of Turingen. His name is Bodo Ramelow. Yeah, he is. And yeah. he's like kind of been like one of our other co-hosts, Rob, jokes about how he's just like pure like Nazbol energy. And it's kind of true because um, it's just this like sense of like, hey, you know, because it's it's obviously like East Germany. Like, hey, remember all the good stuff about East Germany? And it even includes like some of the like closeted racism of east germany because they're like i mean east germany was officially an anti-racist state but there are volumes of information that are out there about you know things like forced you know sterilization of vietnamese immigrants who came you know after the vietnam war and stuff like that right. that east germany had a lot of bad racial policies internally even though outwardly they're like oh you know we're helping you know the the african marxist leninist pan-african cause we're helping you know palestinians we're helping you know x y and z we're helping the cubans but the, the society of East Germany, like, yeah, they intermingled with other people from these countries, but it wasn't like for permanent long periods of time. Like, yeah, they took in refugees, stuff like that, but they weren't treated very well. And they, at the end, like, so when the wall fell, like, like Kira mentioned, like Saxony-Anhalt is like an, is, is an example of a state that then's like 90 something percent white, like. And the thing that's kind of like really funny too is I think it's in like Dresden or in Leipzig. I'm not so sure, but you just like go into the city. There's like a massive mosque that's just there now that then got built. And I'm just like wondering like, how does this fit here? Like this is like a really like notoriously, the Pegida like demonstration started there and everything. And there's just like this thing like that just kind of like takes over the horizon. And I just feel like, and, and this sounds kind of stupid, but I imagine that then just like continuously fueling 
the aggression of that than what people in the East have because they're just all like, oh yeah, you see, like there's like it's always like this like counterintuitive thing of like, oh, there's no Muslims here. Oh, but there's like Muslims here at the same time and they're taking over, even though they're like point one percent of like the population of Tkaisdin or whatever, you know? So it is like it it's it's a very American thing actually, like kind of like in in a weird sense if you live like in, I don't know, like a, a white area of the US. Sure. I mean, having having like a very small number of immigrants move into an area and then having a very extremely oversized reaction by that by yeah. conservatives is, is extremely American. <laughs> I feel like I feel like with East Germany, though, it is kind of like fueled by what is a, a, a somewhat other legitimate feeling, though, which is a lot of East Germans feel like their country has been taken from them because to a certain extent it has like nostalgia for East Germany is real. Like, uh, you know, you couldn't always get bananas, but at least, you know, you always had a job and there was like no homelessness yeah then their like country is taken from them the like opportunities become less like all capital all resources that are in that half the country just go westward or leave germany altogether and their children go off and they do have this sense of like everything's fucked and then the press comes along and says it's because there's this turkish guest worker here now and he's he's always been there (laughs) yeah probably always been there yeah exactly Right. Well, here it's like, you know, basically it's just like the gutting of the industrial economy in favor of outsourcing and everything that's gone on. And, you know, the deregulation of every type of corporate action that has gone on for the last, you know, 60 or so years here that is leading to like kind of that same result where it's like somebody can just come in with a big smile and a fancy suit on and say it's the immigrants fault and to people that are desperate and looking for answers some of them are just going to say okay fine sure and they're going to go along with that narrative and yeah <laughs> so yeah and it's the the thing i think is like 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 also really interesting too because this kind of ties into like like East Germany is notorious, like they became like really famous in the in the sense of like recent news, like a lot of people were seeing then the things of like the, the group is called Pegida, so like the Patriotische Europäer gegen die Islamisierungsabendlands or something like that. So patriotic Europeans against the Islamization of the West, the Occident. Occident, yeah, that's I, I always get Occident Orient confused. So they started these like demonstrations in Dresden, where every every Monday they would go and they would they would do these things. And then the party that then started latching themselves onto this movement was the Alternative for Germany, who was kind of like this like nothing party at this time, and they didn't have like a political platform or anything. So they just kind of like were like, well, you know, this seems to be like the legitimate disenfranchisement of these people shouldn't be. I I, I think when I read like a lot of american press that then writes about it they just kind of sweep like this extremely important if not the most important part underneath the rug and then just like use it as a sense of like see germany is just still really racist or east germany is particularly racist because they were communist and completely ignore like the material reality of them like what kieran was saying about then like all of the major owners and makers in east germany right now are from the west and none of that capital stays in the east at all so when the pegida like demonstrations like took on their thing obviously they were upset about like you know the refugee crisis and stuff like that and and use the usual refugee crisis in quotes but like people then who you know were talked to on the street about like their legitimate concerns and stuff like that like the majority of them were like what kieran was saying about then just like jobs are sparse 
the minimum wage in East Germany is significantly lower than the rest of Germany. Just the standard of living is also lower, like by like an insane amount too. Like the average earnings of the West, I think like 30,000 euros less than the average earnings in the East. Like it's an absurd amount because there's so many more rich people. I mean, like if we, you know, you know how like that number is the average of, of wages is obviously conducted by then including billionaires and stuff like that who all live in the West. Yeah, who skew the numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll see these numbers that then just pop up that are just like insane of how much wealthier the West is to the East. And no party actually like really addresses that properly. So when the AFD kind of came in and they were like, yeah, we see this and we see that you're also kind of racist. It was like the perfect fit to then how they're now, I think, the third or fourth strongest party in Germany and on the rise too. like whenever you see polls in Germany, they're going up, 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 up. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got a bit of a damper now because like a lot of the like right wing parties of Europe, they don't really know how to handle coronavirus as like a thing. Yeah, to game true. Right. But um, I, I think the uh, I think another important context, because a lot of like German horseshoe theory and like wider context horseshoe theory would be like all of these states used to vote for like Die Linke or Die Linke was really popular here. And now AFD is or AFD is the second biggest party or whatever. And it's just like, oh, that just means the far left is as bad as the far right. But it was like, no, the reason that happened was because everything was falling apart around these people. And these were the only two parties that weren't saying, no, this is fine. Like all the other right. center parties of, of Germany were just like, we just have to keep going and i swear swear these things will get better eventually and it never really did so i'm curious um i think a lot of people would agree that like people in america politically have been moving either further right or further left in general that like there was kind of like a peak of centrism around like maybe the mid 80s or so that lasted for a little while. And then like that has started to change. And, and of course, like when I was a kid, like media, like what we're making right now didn't exist in this country. You know, there, there was nowhere to go to get like a strong leftist perspective in general. You know, you were kind of lucky to just to be steeped in staunch neoliberalism and not like conservative bullshit. So right. it's like, you know, I was steeped in conservatism because I'm from Arizona and that's all that exists there. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, it, that's changing, <laughs> well, but it's still very yeah, bad. Yeah, true. But yeah, so I, I'm curious if you feel like like Germany and maybe to a larger extent, like some of the surrounding European nations are also kind of polarizing in that way. Like, do you see people moving to the left as well? Or do you see people just basically moving to the right right now? Uh, Kieran, do you want to take this for the countries that you know really well, and I'll take it for the countries that I know really well? Mm, I mean, uh, we can get a lot of Eastern Europe out of the way, which is to say that a lot of them are just going for the right because yeah, that's easy. Between, <laughs> yeah, their option is between just like an outright like Nazbol party that will like seize the cheese company you work for, so you work for the state, but the state's super racist now. So <laughs> that's kind of cool, I guess, from like a Hungarian perspective. And then the only opposition is just like, what if we sold the cheese company to like Richard Branson? Virgin so, cheese. Virgin cheese, yeah. Virgin Media presents cheese. So, like, that's Eastern Europe. I, I think Ireland's left is getting is getting there. Like, the UK had its Corbyn moment, which is probably not going to die. Just, I don't know what form it would take. They seem to be in that kind of post-Bernie's loss in 2016 moment where nobody really knows what's happening. But there's definitely yeah. still some energy, it seems like. People haven't gone away, and you can definitely say there's like a lot of gains be made that now, like someone like Ash Sakar is like now a regular talking head on like British media, which is like if anyone doesn't know Ash Sakar, a woman who got famous for yelling at Pierce Morgan, "I'm literally a communist." That kind of thing on television was just unheard of in the UK and unheard of in a lot of other countries. The Nordic countries are kind of getting more racist and more neoliberal, so that's a problem. God, the Netherlands, like I said earlier, is just like 
25 centrist parties all trying to out-racist each other. It's very hard to get a hold of. Okay, if we want a rising star, I, I would say it's um, the Workers' Party of Belgium. They're legit very cool. I like them a lot. I, I know nothing about this. Tell me more. Kieran, you're like the you're like the like thing of like the people who are like which no one said this. It's like the 2008. Okay, this is an American reference for good thing that we're an American show. It's like the 2008 Tampa Bay Rays getting to the World Series. That's a that's a stretch, but it happened. They didn't win, but it was a thing. So yeah, the the Workers' Party of Belgium, or the PTB PVDA, because Belgium is a multilingual country, so the party has to exist in both names. They've gotten more popular in Wallonia, which is the southern part of Belgium that's French-speaking, which is much better than the, the Flemish-speaking north, which again is just like the Netherlands, 25 centrist parties out trying to like <laughs> using tactical blackface to uh, win votes, I guess. Though they're, they're, they're legit very good. They have these like roots in Maoism and Marxism. They're very legitimate in terms of their like left-wing credentials and then just also have been doing i think everything correctly in terms of building a base um electorally they're supporting like any party that's like nominally left-wing for the moment and that seems to be working and they're getting power in some major cities but they're also like getting close and buddy buddy with the unions and radicalizing them and increasing union membership in Southern Belgium, which is like incredibly deindustrialized, it's very comparable to the Rust Belt. Yeah, I, I'd strongly recommend keeping an eye out on them. There's some good articles in English from Jacobin who talk about them because from talking to some people I know at Jacobin, they're also fairly enamored with them as well. Uh, what other countries do we have? South of Europe, of course. Yeah, uh, God, Italy is a dire straits. Um, oh yeah, Italy, Italy is Italy is. You have like because I can vote in Italy and I just don't because I get the ballot and it's just like, do you want like Movimento Racisti or do you want like Racistia Democratia or something like that? I'm like, I, I don't want either actually. Like, I'm the just gonna abstain. Racism or the racism movement. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 horrible. And like one of my one of my one of my former coworkers, like I was like, hey, like, can I go to your place and like, you know, we'll do our ballots together. This and that and that and then like she got her ballot then like the next day in the mail she's like no like you're just better off not even bothering i'm like yeah fair enough like this is this is a dumpster fire the thing with like the thing that's just so interesting with 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 countries like i mean especially italy because every party like we've mentioned this on the show before is that like every party in italy except for like two claimed themselves to be like the rightful heirs of the communist party which yeah yeah None of them really are. Let's just be of honest. Of course, of course. <laughs> Got yeah. <it. laughs> Uh, yeah, because there's that whole thing of like during the Cold War, basically the Communist Party was in control of everything, but they couldn't be allowed to be in control of everything. Otherwise, they would get allegedly killed by the CIA. Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> Minecraft. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is a good time yeah. to mention that our website for our um, for our podcast is OperationGlad.io. Uh, why did we pick that address name? Who knows? But the um, we'll never know the why. You never know why. Uh, I think the issue you have in Italy now, I'm just looking at the polls again, is Fratelli dell'Italia is like now almost the third biggest party in this country. That's the party where like all of Mussolini's grandchildren are in. I do remember there's still being arguments about like Mussolini's granddaughter, like complaining about like feeling sad that people were celebrating. Oh yeah, Duchophobia. Twitter, yeah. She was beefing with Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
she said, and then she tried to like, if I'm not mistaken, she tried to like pass the thing that then, which which didn't take off of like that making duchophobia like a legitimate and illegal thing to have, which is that mm. you are you are against Benito Mussolini, which is good and cool, and we should all be duchophobic, in my opinion. It's such a good example of how like woke HR language can just be used for any purposes at all. Oh yeah, oh. duchophobia. That's what, a brand new Duchophobia is that? Am I getting this right? <laughs> yeah. I've never liked douches, but apparently. It's... Yo, I fucking, um, fucking hate them. I hate every ducha. Yeah, I think we can officially, we, you know, sometimes on this podcast, we like to just take a moment and take an assessment of everyone and just agree. Uh, Mussolini, bad? Yeah, not not good. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm really sorry, Grandpa. The Benito Mussolini sucked. Yeah. When we get some of these right wing YouTubers on, we can they can come in and talk about how the trains ran on time. I don't know. <laughs> oh, they didn't. It was oh, Italy. Fucking no, shit! It was still Italy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the guys! They needed help taking over Greece. Jesus Christ! Uh, yeah, that, for fuck's sake! Hmm. Like they literally, like they you literally took over fucking Greece. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that's my personal favorite thing. So there's there's a national holiday in Greece that literally just called No Day. Day, yeah, yeah, all day, which is it's, it's it's one of the most bizarre things like historically because it's a really big holiday in Greece. There's like a big march, this and that, and that. You know, it's it's a big national holiday. I think the U.S. kind of like made it like a big holiday for them too because like Greece has kind of been either a protectorate of like the U.S. or or Great Britain for like the past hundred years, and now the European Union. But that's a whole other different thing. But it was like. In 19, what, 1940 or some shit like that, I don't, I don't give a shit about dates, Italy tried to, like, invade Greece, and then they held a referendum if Italy could, like, you know, take over Greece, and they voted no. But the thing that's just so fucking funny about it is that the guy who was the leader of Greece, General uh, Ioannis Metaxas, I think's his name, he was a massive fascist who loved Italy and loved Germany, but he had to say no because the British told him to say no. <laughs> So then they get taken over and then like all of his government just like like not by the Italians but by the Germans they end up getting taken over and then like his government just like ends up working with the Nazis like just straight up so it's one of the most batshit insane holidays because it's like the day when the fascists said no to the other fascists only to be taken over by the other fascists a few months later. That's a tangled web right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've never been speechless. Do you ever like, do you ever try to like jump into like a Twitter rap beef like halfway through it happening and you have like no clue who any of these people are? <laughs> oh, all That's the time. kind of like that was the forties in Europe. It was just various like fascist ideologies denouncing each other and then all allying with each other or being taken over by each other. Yeah. Like the, the one we constantly mention is the, the Romanian fascists who the Nazis like purged because they were like, this is too fascist. The Iron Guard, yeah. Oh, they're so cool. They're so they they were too Roman Catholic for the Nazis and also too insane. Too Roman Catholic for the well that kind of makes sense. Nazis had yeah, been, yeah, yeah. fascists yeah. love that weird pagan fetishism kind of shit. Yeah, they yeah. made use of the Catholics when possible, but it's not like they were in love with them. 
Yeah. And the thing that's really funny is that when you meet, like, when you, like, I, I really hope you don't, but if you meet, like, like certain nationalists within these groups who are just all, like, they really like the one dude who collaborated with the Nazis, but they're not, like, too vocal about that, they'll be like, yeah, no, I'm a proud Romanian. The Iron Guard was sick. And then they'll be like, they're pretty much Nazis. No, the Nazis didn't like them either. Yeah, because they were they were too insane for the Nazis. And they're like, well, maybe, but they just had the right idea. It's like, no, just why won't you just admit that 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 you're a Nazi? It's like the thing when like so, like like leftist Twitter says that they're like a Hajist or something like that. It's like, no, you're not. You don't know what that is. Just just admit it. Like, just go. Like, come on. Like, you're not fooling anyone. You're not a proud like member of the fucking Iron Guard of Romania or whatever the fuck it is. Like. <laughs> What what the fuck's his name? Uh, Sebastian Gorka does this with like the Hungarian like ultra nationalists, where he's like, "I'm not a Nazi. I just really love like um, traditional job Yeah, yeah. That was why he was banned from the White House because he was like affiliated with the Jobbik Party. Right. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. No <laughs> the paramilitary party. Ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The paramilitary. Oh, th- okay. That's that's. Oh, yeah. That's great. The paramilitary <laughs> wing. Fucking Jobbik. God damn it. Um. So yeah, Europe's great move here. <laughs> Yeah, um, Kieran, I wanted to ask you about, in particular, I'm probably going to butcher this name terribly. I apologize in advance. I wanted to ask about Sinn Féin. Oh, you got that right. Oh, thank fuck. Uh, I do my best, but I'm always nervous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like uh, in the recent election, when Sinn Féin kind of like tied up the government a little bit in terms of like suddenly having enough seats to maybe have a voice or whatever that like a lot of leftists outside you know like here in america we're kind of like this is really exciting this is so good for the left um i'm curious if you had that same feeling or if maybe you thought that like you had like a more mixed reaction or just kind of like what your thoughts were as somebody who actually like knows what the fuck they're talking about (laughs) yeah we we, like did a whole episode on this which i think was a bit of a downer for a lot of people but like i i I do subscribe to the whole like you know optimism of the will pessimism of the intellect kind of stuff where i'm just like go team and then we're like this is all gonna fucking fall apart fucking hell god damn it um relatable yeah right the okay so the short thing i would say about that last election is that uh Sinn Féin for a lot of its history was not really what you would call a left-wing party i mean they would like claim to be enough times in their manifesto that i think at this point that a lot of members of the party do view them as a left-wing force and you know, it, the new guard re- eventually replaces the old guard, that kind of thing. But for the first time, I think, ever in Irish electoral history, oh God, there's so much here to explain. Ireland has a preferential voting system. So you go into a ballot box and you will like rate from one to however many you want to rate your like preference nice. of candidates. Yeah, it's it's a very good system. Uh, I strongly recommend every country do it. It won't fix all your problems, but it'll fix some. There's never been a surprising election in Ireland. To the point, though, is like for most history, people who vote Sinn Féin as their first choice would have historically as their second choice voted Fianna Fáil, one of our like centrist garbage parties that have kind of like ruled the country since it's been a country. The reason for that is because they're both nominally Republican parties, which is to say a big part of their platform is the reunification of Ireland, which I always found was like a, a dumb reason to vote for a party in Ireland because that's the position of every party in Ireland is that they're for the reunification of Ireland. Anyway, this election was the first time where the second choice for all Sinn Féin voters was a, or for majority of Sinn Féin voters, was People Before Profit, which as you can probably tell from the name of that party, it's a very good left-wing party and contains a lot of the candidates that I would have voted for when I was living back in Ireland. So the last vote was 
a left-wing vote. And while I still don't trust a lot of people who are in Sinn Féin, I do recognize that a lot of them have recognized that fact, that the push in this last election was a left-wing one. Ireland's left wing has always kind of been there, but now it's being a bit more mobilized and as take as taking Sinn Féin as a vehicle. And as soon as Sinn Féin is no longer sufficient, they will drop them like a sack of potatoes in favor of people before profit, the sock dems, whoever they think is the more viable uh, left-wing vehicle. You've mentioned that like every party in Ireland supports a unification. Do they all like really support it or is it more of an on-paper thing? So the the differences between these parties would probably be like how aggressively do you push for it is kind of it because so Fine Gael, which is the party that was in power before this election and now they're in a power sharing agreement this time for emergency reasons because of coronavirus they historically were referred to as the Commonwealth Party like they're the party has been historically been the most lenient towards the UK uh, the former colonial power and. Even they on paper are for unification. It's just that their line is more like, we won't agitate for it. It's ultimately the North's decision to hold a referendum. And if they vote yes, we will accept them with open arms. Whereas someone like Sinn Féin would be more like, we need a campaign for getting the North to vote. They run in both the North, which is a part of the UK, as well as the Republic. And they put like number one on their priority list to hold a referendum, except for this election where they actually put um, rent freeze as their number one priority, which won them a lot of support. So I don't think there's anyone within Fine Gael, which is like the furthest kind of like pro-British party we have. I don't think there's anyone in there who's like actively against uh, reunification. They just have questions about feasibility. And I genuinely think they think it's unfeasible because Northern Ireland has been rapidly deindustrialized, And unlike historically, it would now be a massive like economic burden to take the north of Ireland. That's really interesting. I think uh, it definitely sounds like it's a, it's some type of victory, but it may not be quite the victory that some people, especially on the outside, would think it is. Would think yeah. of it as perhaps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I want to say that there was some really great thing. I think the the success of the last Irish election and what people around the world probably should be dancing for who are listening to this podcast is the abject failure of Ireland's to like centrist parties the like the two parties that are kind of like seen as oh they're the ones who are always in charge because unlike america most european countries have what's usually referred to as like a 2.5 party system there's like two parties that will always be in power and maybe there's this straggler party who will help them get there there's always like two main ones and in this election just held in ireland it was just a very firm rejection of two of those parties i think it's something like only eight times in irish history has has there been a constituency that didn't send either a Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil member to the parliament and something like three of those were this election alone and a lot of this was unprecedented like the leaders of both those parties didn't get in on the first count which is a whole thing to do with our voting system like the whole the whole night for those two parties was just deeply embarrassing and that's worth like dancing for because they're garbage monster people this is way too many garbage monster people in fucking government yeah uh <laughs> so um for europe as a whole what are y'all optimistic about because like we're going through our own bummer situation so are there any rising stars in ireland slash germany slash european politics as a whole um are there no. any movements that give you hope is there oh god <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there is there anything where you go well we at least we've got this guy and he's on the come up anything like that 
So I, I, I'll go first and say that like I think what's distracting from a lot of this is just that um, the coronavirus thing got like all of us just being like, maybe the system will break in just the right way that we don't need to vote for anyone anymore. And uh, that will be nice. <laughs> um, that's kind of the thing we put all our let's like let's like put it all on black baby let's go but like after after nick gives his opinion i could probably give some more serious answers especially to do with ireland yeah i think in germany like the thing that's just so interesting i think about the the political situation maybe for historical reasons or whatever is that like i don't think that there's a figure on the left who is as well and i don't even i don't even want to say liked because it's not even true that she's well liked but that's just like as recognizable as someone like Angela Merkel. But mm. there are people like within the like Dilinka that I think are cool. Like Gregor Gysi is a cool guy. He's getting older though. I think that there's bound to be someone come out of that party because their politics, like aside from the problems that they have within like the older guard who is going away, they do have a good party. They do have a good platform, but it's kind of the thing that then I think it just comes into the sense that the social Democrats in Germany are just so in just such shit right now that like anyone looks like a decent alternative. Actually, to be very fair, I think that the head of the youth organization of the social Democrats is kind of a cool guy. His name's Kevin Kunat. Um, he's not great. He's not horrible. But if the policies of the party could go more towards his stuff, I think because he's like more towards like the left wing of his party, I think it'd be better than nothing, you know, but like outside of Germany, I think that and this is a, like kind of a movement to thing that I've like really we've had people on the show before they ran for European Parliament. It didn't really work so much so well for them. They were called like Democracy in Europe Movement 25 or something like that. But they've kind of latched on to the whole Fridays for Future kind of like eco-social thing and they have good like policy good answers good alternatives for them like staying within the european union and the head of that group is Janos Varoufakis so he's a name who is not disappearing in europe i think he does bring at least for a lot of like for a lot of europeans especially like myself and I, I'll, I'll call myself a european here like he why not yeah Honorary why not european. is that no i mean like I, I i have a european citizenship and shit like that like i get a vote here i live here i can't be kicked out of here like i'm european for all i fucking care i feel a legitimate sense of like actual like interconnected europeness if that makes any sense that isn't racist from this movement that i think is like really like key that the idea that then like whoever inhabits like this area whoever is a part of this project of whatever europe is like that's the idea in the movement forward and it's really interesting that then like a lot of leftist groups can't really like a lot of the left in europe is still like old left you know like it's about like workers and this and like the nation state and so on so on so forth and the idea that like europe itself functions as a massive nation state like europe has its own legal system it has its own central bank it has its own fucking economy for the most part if you think about it like as in the general sense of everything's interconnected and the idea then of like looking at a left more in the sense of encompassing these like 500 million people who live here there isn't really a party who's doing that and i at least can look at then someone like Giannis who then kind of does that and i'm like and i'm like i'm a, I'm a massive fanboy of him everyone who listens to our show knows that like i call him my dad on the show <laughs> so um but i think i i think that i think that he has legitimate like alternatives and stuff like you know he, he they started like the progressive international and stuff like that are they not radical enough in certain aspects yeah sure whatever i'm fine with that are they a party in a movement that i would compromise for 110 percent, and i think that that's like 
you know, a fair assessment that there's like a, and if, if, if European parties, you know, they don't have to be part of like their movement or whatever, but if they can at least like see that and properly address things like climate change and things like, you know, massive unemployment that's going to come here within the next half year, you, you heard it here, folks, you know, things like digitalization, something that Europe is, is greatly struggling on, something like, you know, other things like, you know, integrated economies, the approach that they come from, I think, is at least like a glimmer of hope. And when everyone wants to be like a like doomer accelerationist that then just kind like all right coronavirus is going to destroy everything and we can just rebuild it because that it was proven that like i mean as 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 we see now like economies are trying to get back up on their feet with neoliberal policy that's going to fucking you know murder people and europe is okay with it so like yeah yeah, like that it sucks but there's at least like movements that like that that one's at least for me the one that then i continuously like can look at and see the people who are involved in it and there's like a lot of like there's a lot of move like a lot of parties that then are a part of it that then hold seats in parliament as well within their own individual you know countries that i think do quite well in that and within this framework yeah merit like merit 25 in greece are pretty darn cool yeah um yeah so like uh, for me in terms of like other rising stars i would agree like kevin kuhnhart in germany is one to watch it could all go wrong because like the youth wing of any party is always more radical yeah. than the actual party itself and once he graduates to the actual party itself it might go all terrible oh, he'll become insane yeah possibly and d-linka despite all the problems we've mentioned with it are quite good like any aspect of d-linka you would probably interact with on the ground anywhere in germany is probably good their grassroots is good my dream starry eye party is probably podemos united uh unados podemos in spain i love them just for their big baller energy they started from like the ignigdados movement which is like a party that started from like Occupy Wall Street effectively, like the Spanish equivalent of it. Except the Spanish equivalent of Occupy Wall Street, the Indignados, eventually got like 8 million people out on the street, which is a fifth of Spain's population. <laughs> um, so like that was a pretty big deal. They come along and they start their own like shops and television network that like they completely cooperatively control and use that to like boost up the party like they are very insistent that they're not a party they're a movement and a lot of the stuff they do on the ground it's very easy to believe that so they're cool uh i i strongly recommend and they are in like a junior coalition government now at the moment and they're pushing a lot of the like a cultural left-wing stuff that's happening in spain at the moment like they're one of the big forces behind getting um franco moved out of the like mausoleum tribute grave that he lived in where he was buried with i kid you not where he was buried with like anarchists and socialists he killed in the uh, spanish civil war because i think franco thought he was an egyptian pharaoh and he would get to continuously own them in the next life or something i don't know what it was but they got rid of that so that's good and they're also the one bringing in now this aggressive wealth tax in spain where they're just going to like start taxing people quite heavily after they have a wealth higher than a million dollars or a million euro. So they're pretty cool. Shout out again to the Workers' Party of Belgium. They're also pretty cool. And in Ireland, <laughs> in Ireland, I would say Richard Boyd Barrett is definitely a good one from uh, People Before Profit. And there's a very, very new, very small kind of party at the moment that I would support anyone in Ireland or anyone who's on the ground in Ireland to like work with, which is called Rise, which is Radical International Socialist Environmentalist Party, which they're pretty darn cool. I like them quite a bit. There's a handful yeah. of other left-wing parties you can support. Yeah, the only thing I just wanted to add, like one quick thing too, is that like I think in the sense of like the thing that just makes Europe so freaking hard with all of this is that like yeah, obviously it's like you know I want to see things like I I want to see what happens with like the Labour Party. I don't like I agree with Kieran that the Corbyn 
push isn't gone. Like there will be, I think same thing with like the, I don't know, maybe not the same thing with the Bernie Sanders stuff because we've had that happen twice now. And, you know, I, I really don't want to have that happen a third time. <laughs> but um, I think that then like with the idea then being fresh within like young labor's, you know, m- momentum restarted up again under a different name. Right. And like that, I think is jet. Like, I mean, this sounds horrible uh, because Corona is so horrible. And like the UK has like the highest probability of dying of coronavirus in the entire world, like more than the US, more than anywhere. If you get coronavirus, you have like, like, I don't know, it's like a 15% chance of dying or some shit like that, just based on the numbers alone. It's an absolute disaster. I don't know what that's going to necessarily mean for the conservatives, but I think that'll create enough rage within you know labor and stuff like that within the youth movement of realizing that like Keir Starmer is an absolute just like incapable of doing anything because the push towards Blairite neoliberal centrist bullshit isn't going to get you anything but when we get out of these understandings of politics from like you know the US Germany UK all these these countries that have like very you know structured political systems I think it is far more interesting like like I think Podemos was a good example of what of what Kieran used of Southern Europe has these insane political systems where you can see just like a newcomer of the left just like pop out of nowhere and at least like create energy and momentum that then like like this happened with like with 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 Syriza like Syriza is now like a bad taste in the left's mouth but we were all super excited about them in like 2011 2012 and I do see that then something of that coming maybe in a similar sense of how it did in that in that scenario the only thing is that then and this kind of comes down to the sense of then how capital works but then when when you are a, a more fragile democratic system democrat democratic in quotes because i would argue that none of these countries are are remotely more or less democratic than any other any other liberal democracy but it's just that that you can kind of see these like ideas slip through the cracks get really popular really quickly and then like in podemos sense they've stayed in parliament this entire time they've been actually you know passing quite radical stuff where on the other side of it you see then like the bad side of it with with Syriza where they 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 get into power incredibly quickly become a coalition of like a massive left movement and fuck up royally so um I know this is asking this is asking a lot for the left but it's like I think that the last 10 years have shown us a lot of how to grow and how to maybe assess situations better and especially if you're coming up against them like big things within like the European Union or whatever it is like there has to be like a militancy within these that I think that then will carry over to other groups because we thought that that was going to happen. And I think that it still isn't dead. And maybe that's just me being optimistic, but we're in a similar situation if we were, were like 10 years ago. Well, I think being a little optimistic is a great place to wrap up a very fun hour talking with Kieran and Nick of Corner Spatey. I think I got that right again. Hopefully. Yeah, you did. Okay. I'm so, I, pronunciation stuff, it both is something I'm very hung up on and it freaks me out at the same time. So just don't worry (laughs) about it. It's fine. We have to deal with like, what, like, like whenever we like pull up something about Hungary, we just give up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that makes me feel a little better. Kieran and Nick, this has been an absolute pleasure. Totally fun time. We will absolutely have to do this again because I think that there's probably like a million topics that we could tick each other's <laughs> brains on. Um, you, should, uh, you should have Yulia and Rob on our other co-hosts. They're like the smart absolutely. ones. Absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah. Kieran and I are legitimately the dumbest ones on the show. So. <laughs> so, also, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> do you do y'all want to let the internet out there know everybody listening where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find the show, how they can get plugged in and get involved with everything that you're doing. 
Absolutely, yeah. So the problem is that we call ourselves Corner Spatie, and Spatie is like not even a very German word. It's a very Berlin word. It's basically like a bodega that only exists in Berlin because it breaks the laws and opens on Sunday. But the best way to find us would be OperationGlad.io. It's our website that we bought so that like English speakers could and and French speakers. I've seen the analytics can figure out where to find us there you'll find the links to everything like our twitter our rss feed our patreon uh hint hint wink wink uh that kind of stuff that sounds good um we've got a patreon too it's patreon.com slash not safe and you should all go to it do it to it all right so for everybody here brad and kennedy the whole team we're all here thank you for listening and we'll do this again after a while bye bye